return. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. What a great heading for this series on Malachi. Return. Have you returned? We come to this last in this series of sermons on Malachi today and I've entitled it Sin, Judgment and Hope. And I don't know how I'm going to handle all of that. Do you ever sometimes wonder if God hears you? Have you ever asked yourself the question, God, are you real or am I just kidding myself? Am I the only one who believes? As a young Christian, I sometimes wonder that. You know, it's easy to lose sight of God loving and caring for you. Perhaps you've found that. Maybe that's where you're at today. Israel did. Their leaders did. Even after God had done so much for them. If you remember, in bringing them back from captivity, putting them back in their land, protecting them, giving them Ezra the prophet and Nehemiah the leader to lead them. They had had so much. God had blessed them. But within a few years, the leaders had become so blind that they had wandered away from loving, honouring, fearing and serving God. Instead, they'd mocked God. And we pick this up again in this last section in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13 to chapter 4, verse 6. So if you've got the Bibles open there on page 1490 in the big Bibles, we'll look at that. So may I pray for us as we come to this passage. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us your word to guide us, to lead us, to protect us, to bless us. I pray that this morning you'd help me to make your word clear and give us hearts and minds to understand your word to us and to respond in love and obedience to you for the glory of your name. Amen. Malachi 3 verses 13 to 15. This is what we read. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it's futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now he calls the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. So easy, isn't it? When you lose sight of God. And that's exactly what had happened there. Sometimes we can get tempted to think, what's the use in serving God? When we see the arrogant are blessed, when we see other people getting away with things, and it all seems fine and dandy. God's people were thinking like that. Their leaders were. But when you think like that, look at what can happen. When you lose sight of God, your love for him grows cold. The relationship that you once had with the living God becomes a memory. You easily envy others. You're not satisfied with what you've got. You see what they've got and you want it. And so we get bigger and better houses, bigger and better cars, car or cars, if we can. Or we have this trip or that trip or whatever, if we can. And you easily slip into the and live with the world's value system as your own. And so what is wrong in God's eyes becomes right in yours. This is what had happened there. In the time of Malachi, they'd taken on the values of the world around them. 
That's what happened with Israel in their business dealings, with their approach to marriage, with their worship of God, with their giving of him with their tithes and in their sacrificial worship of him. They had lost sight of God's amazing love for them. And when your love for God goes, grows cold, instead of serving him, you expect him to serve you. Does that happen to you? Is that happening to you now? Do you get angry when God doesn't do what you want him to do? Oh no, of course we don't do that, do we? Have you ever thought, God, why aren't you giving me what I've asked for? What I want? I'm sure we all have, haven't we? Let's be honest. Listen, I have. God's not your servant. He's not my servant. You and I are to be his servant. And we are called to love, honour, fear and serve him. That's the distinction we pick up in this passage. That's the distinction between those who belong to God and those who don't. But when your love for God grows cold, that's what can happen. Instead of enjoying serving God, you can let go of serving him with a joyful heart. And you can easily expect him to serve you. It's just like what the the psalm writer said in Psalm 73. Let me read to you those first couple of verses. It's a great psalm. I thought when, uh, when I read it, I thought, we've got to have this reading today. And so we've got two Old Testament readings today. So you can blame me, but John said he likes this psalm, so I'm glad about that. Psalm 73 says this. And it's powerful. The first three verses. He says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That ever happened to you? So easily can happen, can't it? We want something bigger, something extra, something more. We want what they have got. Or we want what's in, the, in, the, in other shops that we, we can't afford, but other people have. He said, it was so easy. He nearly slipped. In other words, he was caught up. And he got a bit sorry for himself. And he said, my feet had almost slipped and I had nearly lost my foothold. How's your foothold going with God? How are you anchoring with him? It's powerful, isn't it? I want to ask you another question. Have you lost sight of God's love, loving kindness to you and his goodness? Do you think about that? Do you remember? Do you bring it up? Do you talk about it with with families of God's graciousness and greatness to you? Or has your love for God grown cold? How do you handle that? When that happens, how do you handle that? When we seem to go down this slide and all of a sudden we realise we're out of focus with God. Look what the psalm writer said in Psalm 73. He said, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, 
I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you and you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Then he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Friends, isn't that where we anchor? God is the strength of our heart and he's our portion forever. It's true, isn't it? He said, those who are far from you will perish. We'll read about that in Malachi. You'll destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. God is good. All the time? Thank you. Yes, he is, isn't he? Of course he is, I'm into that. And so he said, I will tell of all your works. And last night, we, uh, we were encouraged about that in our, in our missionary night, that God has called us to be his servants, to share the good news of him. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, that verse that I, I quoted to you before, part of it says God calls his people who had been rebellious and who had been outstandingly wrong he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Return to me and I will return to you. Friends, know that truth and share that truth with those around you. Maybe those people who aren't at church today that used to be at church. Love them. Call them. Bring them back. Remember Jesus' words where he said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Come to me. What powerful words are those from God to you, to me, to others. But there's more. Look at what God says to those who fear him and serve him. The best is yet to be. Look at it in, in verse 16 uh, of chapter 3, 3 to verse uh, 2 of chapter 4. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. Isn't that awesome? In, in, a, in, a, in a little booklet where there's a lot of... Um, disappointment with God where there's a lot of failure God calls his people he, and he, he's clear with them he speaks clearly about their wrong and he calls them to repent and to come back to him and then for those who hold on to him to that small group the remnant group he gives these promises those who feared the Lord now let's look at that little word feared get it right it doesn't mean to cringe in fear it means to have an awesome respect for God. You know, a friend of ours, years and years ago, put it like this. He's a little guy, he's very quiet. And he said, you know, he said, you know I come to God boldly, but on tiptoe. <laughs> I've never forgotten it. When Rod said that, when Rod Lation said that, I've never forgotten it. I was only about 19 at the time. And he said, I, he's a little guy, and his face shone like a light. 
And um, he was a lot older than us in our group. But he said, I come to God boldly, but on tiptoe. For God calls all of us to come to him and to hold on to him as our anchor, as our heavenly father. And we're drawn to him because of his love for us. Fearing God, having an awesome respect for God results in trusting him. And and trusting results in honouring. And honouring results in loving. And loving results in serving God. Those who feared the Lord to talk together. They fellowshiped. We're not told what they talked about. But look what happened. They talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. God knows what you're thinking and where you're at. And when we meet together in fellowship, God's with us in the midst. Isn't that what Jesus said? When two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. God heard them. They were those who feared and honoured his name. And in verse 18 we see that they served God. Look what verse 18 says. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Clear distinction. Those who revered his name were those who honoured him, who feared him, who served him. Now, I want us to look at ourselves for a moment. This was written 400 years before Christ to a people who were in a parallel situation to us today where around us our society has dismissed the Christian faith by and large. When you look at yourself, are you one who fears God? And when the temptations come, do you fear and respect him enough to say no to temptation? Or it'll be all right this time, but I won't do it again. Are you one who honours his name? And when the name of Christ is bandied around as a curse word, does it offend you? Does it hurt you? Or are you one who takes his name like that? Are you one whose whole life is given to serve the Lord? Are you one who reveres him? Who holds God in the highest awesome respect? Because you know he's holy and he's your heavenly father. But look at the next bit. Those who live for him, those who own Jesus as the Lord of their life, for him to do with what he chooses, for them... A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. I was a little kid in Sunday school when uh, I learnt of this verse. But in the old King James Version, it said, they will be called jewels, precious jewels. And those of us who are a little bit older may have remembered that, that hymn that says, precious jewels, he's loved and his own. We won't go through that this morning, but I could. You remember, do you? I'm glad it is one of those old hymns it's hymn number 600 and whatever it is in the hymn book 653 by the way (laughs) (laughs) but he says it's so beautiful in verse 17 and 18 they will be mine says the Lord Almighty in the day when I make my treasured possession I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him Wow, they will be mine, my precious jewels, my own possession, my special possession, his loved and his own. 
there's a clear distinction between those who serve the Lord and those who don't. I've been thinking about that. I, I was wondering if I could translate the word belief into, into serve, whether belief equals serving. Because a lot of people say, I believe in Jesus, but they don't want to serve him. And that's not a real belief, is it? Because a belief will just demonstrate itself in serving. I don't know where you're at in all of that. But if the glove fits, take note. Because what's coming up is very powerful. There's a clear distinction between those who serve God and those who don't. Because God's judgment will come. Surely in chapter 4, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day is coming. Uh, that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings and you'll go out and leap like calves released from the stool. Then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. It's a very powerful passage. Malachi uses picture language to express the horror of hell. Flee the horror of hell. And all you are, my friends and brothers and sisters in our own families who do not serve the Lord are on the way to hell. Flee it. His judgment is just and he will by no means clear the guilty. Then they should mock God because they didn't see his judgment on those who were arrogant and defiant of him. Yet God is God. And Abraham said, Way back in the book of Genesis, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And he will. And we can rely on him to do right. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God when you're not loving him. Friends, Malachi comes to conclude this. And he brings us to, uh, as the end of the prophecy, there's this great warning for us, that which is very apt. This imagery in uh, verses 2 and 3 about the saints celebrating in heaven and those who are being judged to hell as being like ashes under their feet is a powerful image. But it's just an image to try and help us understand that there's a distinction and there's a gap that no one can cross between heaven and hell. It's God alone who judges and his children in heaven will be free from the effect of those who did not serve God. There is a gulf that neither can cross. In light of these powerful contrasting truths, Malachi had two more things to say. And the first one was, remember. Remember the law of my servant Moses and the decrees and laws that I gave him at Horeb. That's Mount Sinai for all of Israel. Right through Malachi, when he takes us back into the Old Testament, it's nearly always to Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy was that book that was written about Moses and his people as they prepared to enter the Promised Land. So this was a generation after the ones that had come out of Egypt. Those people had already died and these people were ready to go in. And so we get the book of Deuteronomy where the Ten Commandments are reiterated in a slightly different form in one, in one section. But right through it is God's command to his people. And he says, remember the law of my servant Moses and the decrees and laws that I gave him for, for at, at Horeb for all Israel. 
God's word was and is to be the guide of every follower of Jesus. We today have the New Testament to demonstrate to us the reality of what was in the Old Testament. And God's word was and is to be the guide of all of us. Remember. Remember it. Learn it. Practice it. Obey it. Love and serve the Lord, the Jesus Christ, for he alone is our Lord and Saviour. Powerful, isn't it? Remember. So how are you going on scripture learning? How are you going in learning the promises of God? Well, I'm going to ask you, do you put a verse up on your fridge or on the back of your toilet door so that you always read it and see it? Did you stop and think? Do you read it at home? Are you spending time with Jesus? You're letting his word guide you and read you? Those of us with children and families, are we reading it with our families and praying with our children and supporting one another? Remember the word of the Lord. Verses 5 and 6. Very tricky little passage. See, I will send to you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible or dreadful day of the Lord comes. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, lot's been written about this and a lot will still be written about it. The prophet Elijah, was he John the Baptist? He wasn't, was he? John said, I'm not Elijah. When they, when they said to him, are you Elijah or the one to come? And he said, no, I'm not. So who is this Elijah? And the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Was that at Christ's crucifixion? Could have been, but I don't think so. I think that great and terrible day of the Lord is about a time to come. When Christ will return as judge of the whole earth. For a new beginning awaited them. They were looking forward to their Messiah. Are you looking forward to the Messiah? Are you looking forward to when he'll come again? 400 years later he came, after this was written, he came and they missed him. And they crucified him. And he rose again. And he will come again. The Son of God came into the world as a human sacrifice to give his life as a ransom for the souls of all who would serve him. That ushered in an age. The age when Christ lived and died and rose again ushered in a future hope. A certain hope for all those whose names were written in the book of remembrance. In the Lamb's book of life as the book of Revelation says it. We have a new beginning awaiting us. Our home in heaven. They look forward to the time when the Messiah would come. Are you looking forward to the time when he will come again? Are you prepared for when he will come again? Or are you prepared for when you will meet him? We need to be prepared. Make sure you are one who fears God and honours him and serves him with all your heart mind, body, soul and strength so as the Old Testament ends so the New Testament ends in Revelation chapters 20 to 22 with the same challenges as the Old Testament ends
except that we've seen God's grace in Christ has come and he has opened the door of eternal life, life with God himself in heaven. It's the most wonderful picture. It's all picture language because one day we will see it in its reality. But we read in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, towards the end, the spirit and the bride, that's Christ, says, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take of the free gift of the water of life. The victory and so the victory and the judgment of the King of Glory will be complete when Christ returns. We need to be ready. We need to be ready. Friends, what joy awaits us when our Heavenly Father calls us home. Amen.